0: Hi. Hi, they um, gave me a music stand because I'm too short for a regular lectern. Nice. (laughs) Hey, if you don't know me, my name's Kate and it's been about 10 years since I stood here in this spot for doing this job for this reason. Um, Actually, last time I was here, I think, I can't quite remember, um, I think I told all the combined youth ministries of Launceston to go home and obey their parents. That's the kind of person that I am, so should we just start? (laughs) Who knows what you're going to (laughs) get? You know, I thought um, tonight that this doesn't really have a title. This doesn't really have um, alliteration points that you can write down in your journals. This is um, a little bit of my story that I've been travelling in the last few months or years. Um, and some of the things that God's been teaching me through it Um, because stories are really powerful things and we know that the God that we follow is in um, the central figure of this huge massive story of all eternity and that Jesus himself was a master storyteller and used it often so I'm going to tell some of my story and a story from the word of God uh, about Jesus himself and you'll see those two things interact Um, and my prayer is for you that you interact with my story Uh, You see parts of yourself in it. That's the power of storytelling. Um, The disclaimer is, of course, this is um, not the worst story in the world. I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here being a drama queen. It's just the vehicle that God has used to teach me some stuff. Um, So can can I just say that with all sensitivity, that I realise that many of you are travelling much more difficult journeys than I, and I'm not diminishing that at all. Uh, In my lifetime, I have this lovely history with these two ladies in the Bible called Mary and Martha. And it just feels like whenever I get a scripture or someone comes and prays for me or someone um, speaks a prophetic word of encouragement over me, that somehow Mary and Martha pop up. Because the story of Mary and Martha is that uh, there were two sisters, and I have two sisters, so it kind of fits. And one of them was busy in the kitchen. Um, all the time. Now, I'm not actually very good at being in the kitchen, um, but I am busy. I'm a busy little bee. And Mary, the other sister, um, was criticised by her sister, Martha, for not doing any work but sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to what he had to say and Jesus sort of said very gently Martha Martha you are worried about many things but Mary has chosen the one thing and it will not be taken away from her and this story keeps popping up in my life because obviously I'm Martha and I'm just like way too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus I've got stuff to do and Um, So I'm doing some study this year and I got given randomly assigned a piece of scripture and I got the piece of paper and saw Mary and Martha at the top I'm like of course (laughs) I get it no worries so I shoved it in my book and then left the question and the assignment till the morning of I can't even say the night before so if any of my students are here Don't ever do that, hashtag hypocrite, but don't get up the morning before and do your assignment, because when I got up and looked at the piece of paper, I realised that it actually wasn't the story about Mary and Martha that I thought at all. They appear again um, in the week leading up to Jesus' death and their brother Lazarus, and that's what this story was about. Um, So I quickly changed my answers and kind of confessed uh, to my supervisor what I'd done, Um, but I had no idea how much I was going to need that story. Um, in the last couple of months and it kind of became a companion to me in some of the stuff I was going through so um, please be patient and gracious with me it's a little raw still it's a little unprocessed Um, but what is community if we can't do life together Um, so this is me and this is real um, but I trust you with my story um, and I hope it's valuable to you So if I can't get through a moment, you'll bear with me, right? It's all cool. All right, so let me read this story to you. I'm going to read it from the message. Um, It's from John chapter 11, the death of Lazarus. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one who you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I'm just going to skip ahead a bit. They have this dialogue about the fact that there are people in Jerusalem who want to kill them and why would they go back there and... um, I have that conversation, and then it says, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Mary, Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Can you see a little role reversal there, that it's Martha who runs out to Jesus? She gets a bad rap. Martha said, master if you'd been here my brother wouldn't have died even now I know that whatever you ask God he will give you Jesus said your brother will be raised up Martha replied I know that he will be raised up at the resurrection at the end of time you don't have to wait for the end I am right now resurrection capital R and life capital L the one who believes in me even though he or she dies will live and everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all do you believe this Yes, Master, all along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here, he's asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathising Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting, fell at his feet, saying, Master, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger whirled within him. He said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. She's a practical girl, isn't she? Someone's got to think of that stuff. But Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead. Take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. The original zombie apocalypse. (laughs) It's nothing new under the sun. So this story um, has been in my life, like I said, this constant companion for the last couple of months. And um, to be honest, the last 18 months of my life has been the most personally challenging that I've ever experienced. We've moved house a couple of times and changed jobs a couple of times. And, um, and recently, we had a surprise pregnancy, uh, which we lost in the ninth week. And um, in all of this stuff that was going on, Um, I found Jesus in this story right where I needed him to be. So this pregnancy that we had was a shock. We were very, very settled on our family of four, that that's what we could handle. We could handle our two children. We were cool. We were sweet. And this was a real curveball to us. And poor Tim, this news arrived for him um, when he was about nine days into two new brand new jobs, and we were a little bit rocked, and our whole world view about what was going to happen next year was changing, and we're like, whoa, um, trying to get our head around it, and um, we got our head around it in the end. In the end, we found this excitement and thought, you know what? If God needs someone born, bring it on. <laughs> we'll bring a person into the world. Who knows? They might be needed for the kingdom. Let's, let's have this person. Um, not that we had any choice by then, but... <laughs> Uh, we found this acceptance, and then the reversal of that acceptance had to be instantaneous. And I remember the moment when I realised that there was complications and things weren't going right. Um, and of course, I picked up my phone and texted, uh, text, is that even the right word? Text my nurse friend. As you do, you find a medical person like, is this normal? What's going on here? Um, they're like, oh, well, that might be normal. Um, so I, tried to carry on despite the fact I was massively distracted and um, (laughs) came here because I had a meeting with Dorothy and I was like, I've got to confess, I'm really distracted because of this. And they're like, maybe you should go to the doctor. We'll just give you some peace of mind. Um, So I made the appointment and went and um, they kind of said, you know, we can't tell this early whether it's routine or if there's a problem. Um, We'll send you for some tests, but really they can only just tell us um, what's going to happen or what's happening already. you're just going to have to wait and it's the weekend, we're sorry, but you're just going to have to wait. Um, So they sent me off for the first blood test and I went and had that and I was walking back up to my car and I passed this gift shop and I walked about 10 paces past it and I felt God say, go back and buy a toy Um, and I ignored it and I walked maybe 10 more steps um, and then felt God say it again, go back and buy a toy and I said, I said to God, no way. (laughs) At the end of this, I don't want to be the idiot left holding a toy. Um, And then I had this moment where I know that I've resolved in my lifetime that if Jesus is really my Lord, if I really mean that, when he asks me to do something, um, the words, no, Lord, can't really be on my lips because that would be a contradiction. So I had this moment where I had to put my faith on the line And then I remembered that nobody in the New Testament was um, encouraged by Jesus for having little faith. Um, The ones he encouraged and championed were that you have great faith. And I thought to myself, well, what can it hurt? What can it hurt to have faith and what can it hurt to obey? Because I had to make a choice about whether I'd rather be right and not end up with the egg on my face or I would rather be obedient. Um, And the thing about Jesus is that um, obedience is his language of love. If you love him, you will obey his commands, as random as they might seem, um, or as a dagger in the heart of pride that you have they may be, because the chances are that I would be wrong, that it would be one of those awkward moments where you'd be that Christian who takes a step of faith, a physical, visible step of faith, and it doesn't work. And Did I want to be that person who has this story to tell, of the person who didn't have enough faith to make the little thing work? Um, but in the end, I went back and bought the toy, um, because Jesus said. And it's just like this moment with Martha when Jesus says to her, "Take away the stone," and there's always a but, Lord, isn't there? But Lord, I don't want to be look like an idiot but Lord, he's been dead for four days and it's really going to smell. There's always a but. Um, and he said to her, the, the message and says, he looked her in the eye and said, didn't I tell you if you believed, you'd see the glory of God. The second moment I needed this story was... Um, The next day, they'd sent me um, for a routine injection. I'm sorry, I'm not very medical, I can't explain this to you very well, but I'm a negative blood type and the hospital decided that for safety's sake, I should have this anti-D thing just in case. And they said, they rang me at five to six and they said, we're really sorry, it's a Friday afternoon, there's nowhere that you can get um, this injection except the emergency department on a Friday night. So I went to the emergency department with all the people who'd broken their fingers at football and all that kind of stuff and... Um, I had a tiny little bit of battery left on my phone and I wanted to keep it in case I needed to call Tim. So I had to sit there for a really long time and I sort of said to the lady, I'm not in a hurry. Um, (laughs) I don't have anyone waiting with me. I'm an adult. I'm not in any pain. Um, I'm not in any distress. And as I said to her, I'm not in any distress. Um, I just stand at the counter in an absolute mess. (laughs) And the realisation of what might be happening hits me. Um, she was so kind. She's like, this is a really hard thing. It's okay. But I had no phone and um, I had no one and I had to sit there. And in that moment, all I had um, was to send for Jesus. You know, when Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to say Lazarus was sick, how crazy that would have been to actually physically be able to send for Jesus and have him show up. Um, And when I say send for Jesus, I don't mean it like that. We're post-resurrection. He is always with us. His Holy Spirit, he's here. He's omnipresent. His whole presence fills this place, fills our hearts. We don't have to send for him and wait for him to show up. What I mean when I say send for Jesus is it's a heart turning, isn't it? It's a prayer of humility that says, actually, I don't have this. I'm not even close to having this under control. Where's Jesus? Because nobody else can help me right now. Um, and I have a friend who says that um, you are only ever one sincere prayer away from God. And that prayer, that sincere prayer of Jesus, help me have mercy, um, he will never refuse. Even if it feels like he's not arriving, um, it's your heart turning towards him that opens up the floodgates for him to be able to come. So having that moment, just me and Jesus and this story... And those words come through to me um, because I realise that the look on the doctor's faces and the scan that I had that day, they used this beautiful word called inconclusive but it was written all over their face. Um, so I'm sitting in the waiting room saying, "If actually God, you're the only one who can reverse this. You're the only one with the power over these cells, over creation, over humanity. Um, and I do believe, I do believe, I do have faith. Um, because they start this question with him. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm like, I don't have to pray that. You are here. You are here. I am right now the resurrection and the life. And sometimes what we do with our Jesus is we call, we call it a gospel of sin management, where we put our Jesus into two places. We put him into the category of our ticket to heaven, and then we put him in the category of um, the crucified one on the cross at Easter. Um, and it's true. That's part of his story. He is both those things, of course. But in between, John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, he was with God. He was God. He has been there for creation since the beginning of time. And at the end of time, he's the Alpha and Omega. He is not the crucified Jesus on the cross anymore. He is the resurrected king. And his eyes are like fire, it says. And that his reign is right now and it's eternal from now and forevermore, and that's the Jesus that we serve, and that's the Jesus that I was sitting with. He is right now the resurrection and the life. So when Martha said to him, you are the Messiah, I know that you are the Messiah, the Holy One of God, that's what she means, that he is the full story, beginning and the end, everything that we could ever need, not just the guy that we turn to when we have a moral slip-up and we need forgiveness, not just the one who gives us the t- checklist of a tick when we come to the end of our life and stand at the pearly gates. is the one who intersects with every moment of that story from beginning to end. That's the one that we serve, and that's the one who is right now resurrection in the life. And then, of course... Wouldn't this be a beautiful story if I said I did all those things and I acted in faith and Jesus was with me and we had all these conversations and some amazing miracle happened? Wouldn't that be the best preaching story? And you'd all get fired up and your faith would be stirred and my faith would be stirred and we'd all go out and start to pray for more miracles and I can't bring you that story. Um, I wish I could um, because that would mean that I got what I wanted. (laughs) But that's not my story. So, when I give you this story, that doesn't seem victorious. It doesn't seem like a faith story. I guess the question is for all of us, is what we really want, what we really want? Or is what we really want Jesus himself? And is that enough? Is it enough for me that he was there and that his presence was there? Or all along, did I just really want an answer to my prayer? Because in the aftermath of this whole thing, um, the few days afterwards, um, you know, you go back to this story and you find that shortest verse in the Bible, (laughs) uh, which is Jesus wept. And the verses before it are talking about why he's weeping, because he was deeply moved. Um, When we are in pain, we have... A God who is deeply moved because of his heart of love and his compassion. And I know that he was there weeping with me in my loss. And then Tim came home and he said, you've got to listen to this song. So he, um, he turned this song on for me and I'm sitting there listening to this song and thinking about this story and I realise how easy it would be to pick me in this story as Mary and Martha, right? The one who sends for Jesus because somebody's sick. Uh, I'm losing my baby, I need to send for Jesus. He's the only one who can help me. Um, I'm the one who's having this conversation with him. If you just show up, my baby won't die. And we have this conversation. Um, It's easy to see that I'm Mary and Martha in this story except that I'm not. (laughs) I'm actually Lazarus. I'm actually the dead man because the biggest problem that we as humanity faces is not unanswered prayer Um, or maybe even a lack of faith to do with unanswered prayer although we feel like that's the biggest hurdle that we have our biggest hurdle is actually spiritual deadness not being fully alive in him because Saint Irenaeus I hope I said that right He says, it's the glory of God that man is fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. And we think that the glory of God in this story would be, if you believed, you will see the glory of God. I had faith, I bought the toy. God gives me my baby back. Glory be to God, let's all praise him. And if that happened, absolutely. I'm not diminishing any miracles at all. But is it enough that the glory of God in this story is that my soul is alive? that I know him better than I knew him before, that I need him more than, I or more aware of my need of him than I was before um, because I don't want to be spiritually apathetic. I don't want to be spiritually asleep. Um, and we just get in that place of being worn down into spiritual deadness. Um, and then you find yourself in this season of suffering, whatever it may be, And it's the glory of God to be made fully alive in that place. It's what we like to say. A few days after um, I lost the baby, I was reading this blog, which is like seven things you should never say about prayer. I love reading those blogs that have a number at the front. Um, and number one, this guy was saying, he so said you should never say prayer works. Of course he's right, because prayer's not a transaction. Prayer's an interaction. It's a relationship. Could you ever say to someone um, that a relationship works? And I know like, we, Tim and I have this you know, couch conversation just about every night and it goes something like this. And I say, if you loved me, you would make me a cup of tea. And then he says, if you loved me, you wouldn't even ask And then we psych each other out by saying, oh no, I'll make the cup of tea. And it like descends into this battle for who is gonna serve the other person and put burning coals on their head and make them feel bad. Uh, But that's manipulation, it's not love. I mean, we actually do really love each other. But should we approach God like that? Like, if I buy the toy, I do the thing that you asked me to do. If I pray like this, if I pray with this many people, if I pray this long, if I pray this loud... Um, If I pray these scriptures and then you will give me what I want. That's an interaction, isn't it? It's like a spiritual ATM. Um, But that's not the treasure. The treasure is Jesus himself and this friendship and this relationship and you can't reduce relationship to a transaction. And when we try, it's no wonder we feel spiritually dead. It's like online shopping, isn't it? Put in the right stuff... Get out the right stuff. As long as you've got a good connection, it works. But actually, Jesus is Himself. Enough. He's enough. And I really, really wanted a miracle. What I actually got was an interaction with the King of Kings. And it's not a consolation prize. It is the treasure. The end of the toy story is this, that eventually, a few days later, I come to this place of, um, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I start that conversation. I start that interaction with Jesus. I say, I bought the toy. What's with that? I had faith, what's with that? And I felt him say to me, the point is that you had faith and I'm really proud of you. And I'm not diminishing any suffering, like I said before. But I find myself in this place of sincere gratitude um, that this dead man's been raised to life regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the outcome. It's an occasion to glorify the Son. And didn't I tell you if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? And it's enough for me. Um, Sandy and I kind of have this joke because I don't like feelings very much. I don't like having feelings. Um, and this situation forced me to have some. And she was like, It's messy, isn't it? Feelings are messy. I was like, Yeah, it's really messy to have feelings. I feel sad and there's snot and I'm crying and I'm unpredictable and it's messy. Um, But I I did say to her, I said, But it feels weighty. It feels holy. Um, So we came up with this word. We call it a precious mess. (laughs) It's a valuable mess that we're in sometimes. Um, because it ends up glorifying the Son. Um, i just really like to read this over you. And Danny alluded to it a few weeks ago when he was talking about faith himself. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I just wonder, um, tonight perhaps you have never been spiritually alive. Um, that you may not know what it's like to have Christ live in you and take away the deadness that we feel. Um, Maybe you are spiritually apathetic and you've been on this downhill decline to numbness in your soul. Um, Or maybe you just need to have one of those interactions with Jesus. One of those, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died kind of conversations. And I can assure you now that God is big enough to handle all of them. And his delight is that you start a conversation and in, an interaction with him. That's his delight. Um, and there's an opportunity for all of those things tonight. We're gonna sing this song um, that Tim brought home to me um, that night. And I know you won't know it, but I just wanted to wash over you and understand that the value is in being spiritually alive. not in in getting what we want all the time. There's greater value in our faith than anything. Um, And if you want to come up the front make use of this space, please do. It can be a holy moment and it's the start of an interaction. It's not one of those moments where everything's going to be fixed in one night. Um, But God wants to talk to you. He wants you to dialogue with him about some of this stuff. Um, and we're just going to open this up and you guys can pray for each other if you need it. you see someone that you're here with tonight really having this moment with God, then step forward and be brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm just going to pray for you. Father God, help us to be honest with you. Honest about our need for you. That our need for you is very great outside of suffering God that our spiritual need of our soul is great Father would you come and call us out into life we don't want to be dead men walking God we want to be alive in you, we want to see the glory of God, we want to be people of faith God we just open our hearts right now Father we want to take a chance on you Jesus' name.